Yo, we're just going to give it a couple more minutes here, um, and then we'll get started. But yeah, we're just chilling out here, having some coffee right now, so it'll be a pretty low-key, chill vibe. Yo, could you guys give me a thumbs up if you could hear me all right? And then you should try to talk to it. Mike Miller with a thumbs up. All right, Matt, try to talk and see. Just straight through here. Through my phone or not? Through here. Okay. Yeah, we're like both sitting next to each other, so it's kind of tricky figuring out if, you, if we should talk into one phone or to both. Do you have those questions? Yeah. All right, cool. So we're just going to jump in right now. Uh, This is pretty spontaneous. Like, we don't really know exactly what's going on here, but we're just going to run with it. So... We put out a tweet yesterday asking for some questions on our journey, creator economy, et cetera. So I think it'd be best if we just buzz through those. And then after we buzz through some of those, we chop it up about these random topics. We could turn it over to you guys and then uh, we'll have people come up and ask any questions you guys are curious about. So um, the first question that I'm seeing, and I'm actually I'm curious to hear your opinion on this like in depth. Grant Galatis says, would it be cool? It'd be cool to hear the rationale behind both of your business models. I want to hear the pros and cons and why you chose them over other options like e-commerce, copywriting, etc. So I'll let you, I'll let you dive into it first. Well, yeah, for context, we're both Twitter ghostwriters and we do like a little bit of coaching on the side and I mean, I've tried stuff like crypto and like e-commerce in the past. Um, and for me, it was like, that was tricky to set up because the margins were hard. And it was just, I don't know, I didn't I didn't have like an, an inherent interest in it. But ghostwriting was, I kind of fell into ghostwriting, to be honest, because it's it's kind of just a byproduct of growing your own account. So I just started writing on Twitter last fall just because I wanted to like share my ideas publicly I saw other people were making money online and I was like okay like they're good writers but I don't think they're necessarily any better than I am so I just started writing online not really having many goals or expectations Um, and then I like after enough reps after writing like five threads a week for the first three months online I, I put the reps in, I got pretty good at it, and then people saw, like, okay, this dude's good at, like, writing on, on Twitter, he's good at growing his own account. Then I started getting inbound leads from other people asking me, oh, could I grow your account? So in that sense, it, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, and it's good because it's, like, I, I learned that skill by building it for myself, and then now I can do it for other people. And, yeah, the margins are pretty good. And yeah, it's um, so it was more of like a stumbling into it. As for the cons, I would say probably the biggest con is constantly having to stay up to date on the algorithm 
just because the landscape changes so much and there's like what worked for you maybe for four to five months and one algorithm change could just all of a sudden not work anymore and then you have to pivot accordingly which can be kind of like anxiety inducing but that's just the nature of like working on social media and it's honestly it's a small price to pay to be able to like work for yourself and be self-employed and live from wherever work from wherever so i'm not one to complain on that so like ghostwriting is the thing now but what we're pivoting into more so like this coaching model so maybe we could compare those two like and I actually, I want to treat this more like a podcast, me podcasting you. I'll give my opinions and stuff too, but I do want to like pick your brain on this. So like pivoting from ghostwriting to coaching, like, can you explain to me and to everybody else, what is the rationale behind that move? Well, the rationale is it's, if you zoom out, it's just the next logical step because first I got the reps in growing on Twitter from my own account. I grew my own account. Then other people were like, hey, like you're, I see you're good at writing. Like, could you write for me? I'll pay you like a couple thousand dollars a month to do that. So then I got good at growing other people's accounts. And I learned kind of the business side of ghostwriting, sales calls, stuff like that, et cetera. Not, and that's a done for you offer. So like I, I do all the writing for them. They don't have to worry about anything. The next logical step is a done with you offer where now that I've built my own brand and I've built, you know, at this point, like dozens of other brands, the next logical step is to be able to teach people and kind of hold their hand and be like, Hey, here's how I did it. I know these strategies work because I've done it for myself and a bunch of other brands take my playbook and run with it. And that's like, and it's more leverage because instead of having to do all the writing for them, and like done for you now it's just done with you so i mean there's there is an upfront time commitment kind of coming up with the curriculum and the systems and and compiling that in a teachable manner that's repeatable and kind of systematized but once that's set up then then it's like our one or two hours of calls a week with my coaching clients and then yeah it's just, it's more leveraged and it's more fulfilling because it's more fun, like seeing other people learn from you and then grow like as they, as they put the playbook into effect. hundred percent. Yeah, dude. Like the fulfillment piece is the biggest part for me because ghostwriting is great. It gets cash flow. You help people grow their brands. It allows you to live this digital life where you can live anywhere. But what I noticed in Argentina for me was like, it didn't feel so fulfilling because I put in the work to help grow somebody else's brand, but I don't see a direct like ROI for myself or I don't feel like I'm actually impacting people's lives in a positive direction, or at least it's not me doing that. Um, and so now with this coaching, like, yes, it's going to be more so like under the guise of like how to grow your brand, how to write on Twitter, et cetera. But also for me, it's like a big thing of helping people actually change their lives because like, Dude, if you would have told me a year ago that I could write on Twitter and move to Costa Rica, like, I wouldn't have believed it. But now if I could, like, help somebody get their foot in the door to this world and create opportunities and find opportunities and they can go change their lives, like, that would be extremely fulfilling. Extremely fulfilling. I feel like we've seen that a little bit yeah. already. Yeah. It's just, yeah, and then 
from there, the next progression is like done for you, done with you, and then eventually like a do-it-yourself product. Mm -hmm. And you can like offer kind of all three at once, just like with different tiers. Like if you just want to buy the curriculum and the information, then you can just buy the info product. If you want to buy the information and the implementation, then you can buy the product with um, like a mentorship included, which would obviously be more expensive. But yeah, it's fun to see like all the different ways you can play around with it yeah and going back to like grant's original question he's like why not copywriting why not e-commerce i feel like those things like you're building a business outside of yourself or it's like a skill you learn to make money off of but in this personal brand game like you can get paid to literally self-actualize like and it's crazy because i feel like since writing on twitter my growth in so many different areas has like exponentially increased and i'm curious for you like which parts of yourself do you think you've seen the most growth in since you started writing on Twitter? Like flashback to like a year ago, like that person then versus the person now, what's changed? Dude, a year ago, I was like still a stoner. (laughs) I was like, I think it was actually this July, 2022. And I was, I actually finally stopped smoking. I finally stopped vaping. I like finally got my ass in the gym. And yeah, I mean, today, like, if you would have told me, I remember, bro, it's just like a constant journey of like overcoming mental hurdles. Like I got into like the whole online stuff. I was like, okay, like, it seems like people are just making money by writing online. You know, I think I could do that. And then I was like, oh, you got to take sales calls and like land clients and business side. And I was like, I remember just the thought of a sales call is so intimidating to me. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, dude, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but then like after, like, obviously I was super nervous the first couple of times. Now it's like, I'm not even like, I don't really even hesitate on them. It's kind of just seeing if I can help someone and then I believe in my service. So it's like, yeah, I can help you. Like you would get good value out of this. So it's not even necessarily nerve wracking anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so many life changes, man, like dropping out of college living in Buenos Aires, moving to Costa Rica, um, just, like, making money online, which is, like, the dream I've always had. It's, like, yeah, it's been, it's been quite, like, a transformative year. Yeah, it's insane to think about. And I remember back, like, when we were about to move to Argentina, like, that was the biggest job I've made in my life. And after that experience, after going home and now moving here, I've had a bunch of like learning moments and takeaways from that experience. So I'm curious for you, like from Argentina, looking back now that we have this new perspective, like what's the one major lesson or life lesson you've learned from that time, those two, three months there? In Argentina? Yeah. I think my biggest regret with Argentina was like, I don't even know if it's a regret because, like, I just, I dropped out of college when I was in Argentina studying abroad, and those, like, right after I dropped out, like, you naturally kind of feel insecure. It's like, okay, I'm finally, I just, like, completely broke off from the default path. Yeah. So, for me, I, my mind just, like, <clears throat> instinctively went into, like, 
security mode, like secure the money, secure like the, the clients and stuff like that. So I just went into an all out kind of work mode. And I mean, yeah, looking back, I, like I wish I would have traveled more and like gone to Patagonia or Brazil or something. Cause I didn't really, the only like side trip I did was to Uruguay, which was still cool, but I do wish I would have like found the time to like do other stuff outside of work. Yeah. Cause I was like all in on work. And then by the end of it, I was just burnt out. Um, so, but then again, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's like, I, it's easy to say now, but at the time I needed to secure like the money. <laughs> yeah. So how do you avoid falling into that trap now? <laughs> well, now I'm more secure. So I would say, I don't know. I kind of like the, the sprint and then rest mentality where you like, you have a project and a deadline, you go all in on it. And that could be like, like, I know you like doing that in the day to day. That could be like sprint in the morning and afternoon and then like completely detach at night or like sprint five days out of the week and then just completely detach on the weekends Yeah. or sprint like a month or two straight and then take like three or four weeks off. Yeah. Or it could be all three. It could be. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> That's actually the combination of those three, I think is like where I'm coming to the conclusion that works best for me. It's like during the week, if I can like be focused from six or 7am till like one with like deep work and then the afternoons are taking calls, then at night detaching, it helps me like come back the next day, like revitalize and ready to get to it again. Same with the weekend. Like yesterday, I did a little bit of writing in the morning just for fun. This morning, just this podcast, like this is just for fun. I guess it is like contributing to our work in a way, but for me, it's just kind of like a hobby. And so tomorrow, now that I've had these two days to kind of like lay low a little bit, get reorganized, everything, like tomorrow, get back to it. And then I see it like you do that for like three months and then you take like a one week hiatus or even like a one or two week hiatus. And I was talking with Taylor yesterday and that's exactly what he said he did. And so it seems like these bigger players, they understand that. Um, and I think it all, it all probably stems from Naval. Like Naval is like the godfather of this whole space, even though he's kind of like transcended it. Um, but actually that leads into another topic that somebody commented on. They said, can you give uh, your, your opinions on the current status of money Twitter? And I think maybe Naval was like the springboard for that. So what are your opinions on money Twitter right now? What do you think about it? Oh, man. I mean, the landscape has definitely evolved from when I... Not that I've been in the game for a long time. I've been in it for, like, nine or so months. But it's changed, like, dramatically from last fall and last winter to now. I would say the biggest noticeable difference is everybody seems to be... Like, everybody seems... In the past, when I started, people were writing about, like, business tactics, and they were writing, like, about their interests and these cool story threads about their experiences and stuff. And some people still do that, but it seems like now everybody is just, like, writing about the algorithm and, like, how to get more engagement. And personally, I think there's more. And, like, I'm, I get it because it's easy to fall into the trap of, like, 
okay, I'm posting about like how to get more engagement, and those tweets do tend to get more engagement. Um, but it's like there's more. Like you can't have that be your whole brand. Yeah. I think there's more. There's a, there will always be a demand for like some people who write about the algorithm, and that's their thing. But I think there's like more supply than demand for like these Twitter growth writers. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I, I get it because when you're just getting into the game, like it's about growth. Yeah, this is kind of loud, but I think we should should we go inside? No, let's run with it. I think we're good. Um. But yeah, so I think it's just quite short-sighted. Like, the way you build a personal brand that's going to actually become your resume for the rest of your life is not by writing about the algorithm, right? Like, the writers you look up to, they're sharing ideas. They're not sharing tactics for growth. And that's where, like, and I've fallen into that, too, um, like, getting so caught up in the numbers game. But what I've noticed for myself is, like, the more I can detach from the numbers game, the, the better the numbers game does in a weird way. I don't know if you've had the same experience. Yeah, there is like um, there is like an interesting element of like sometimes the path of least of not trying kind of yields the best results. Like last month, I felt like I was in a slump. I like wasn't. I don't know. Like mentally, I was like somewhat burnt out. Didn't feel that inspired, and like for somehow it was like my best month ever by like a decent amount in terms of like money which I like I didn't really understand so but I think it's because like I detached in a way um but yeah in terms of like the writing side of things and engagement I think I think growth shouldn't be I tweeted this the other day like growth shouldn't be the goal of your writing it should be the byproduct of your writing mm-hmm. so what that means is like you shouldn't just and the way, what I mean by that is, like, when you write just about Twitter growth with the aim to grow, like, ironically, the only people who are going to be interested in that and attract, attracted to that are, like, other beginner creators, which is a small market. Like, there's only, there's not, like, that many people in the world who are interested in, like, growing on Twitter. Yeah. Whereas, if you write about, like, crazy stories or life experiences or interests that you have, those markets are much bigger and like almost anyone on Twitter can relate or understand those topics. So that has greater potential to go viral. Like you'll never see a Twitter growth thread just go like hit two or three million views because not that many people are interested in growing on Twitter. It's only a small market. We were talking about that yesterday. Like, you have to transcend the money Twitter space at some point. Like, if you want to be somebody whose ideas are recognized, you have to escape the money Twitter sphere of the internet. And I think you do that by actually sharing some type of ideas. Something else for me that's been used is, like, the difference between the intrinsic and the external motivation sources. Like, and when I write specifically for the point of getting engagement... And it doesn't get engagement. I get defeated. I don't want to keep doing it. But like for like yesterday, for example, I just came out here and like wrote that long thread. And I had no idea how I was going to do. And I just like wrote it for the enjoyment and the process of writing it. Because it was a topic I wanted to like test my knowledge on and understand deeper. And as a result, it got good engagement. But like that wasn't the motivation. I think 
if you want to be a writer, you have to like fall in love with the process of the writing and be willing to do it for days, months, years without even seeing results at first. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think we both got into it. Yeah. I mean, how long have you been writing, like, before this? Online? Yeah. Just... Or just, in, in, like, writing yourself? I mean, I was never, like, a huge, like, journaler or anything like that. I think, but I think you make a good point. Like, if you, if you write for intrinsic motivation, like, you actually just really enjoy writing, and you're not writing stuff that, you're writing stuff because you're actually interested in the topic versus something that you think will perform well on the algorithm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you oftentimes you can't control the algorithm. So if you write something you're not even interested in just because you think it'll perform well and it doesn't, then it's a double loss because now you just wasted time writing something you, you didn't even enjoy and it didn't even perform well. So that's, like, you just fucked up twice. Whereas... <laughs> If you write for intrinsic motivation, like, yeah, it might not have performed well, but you actually enjoyed writing it, then it's only, like, then it's only one loss, and you're like, okay, like, that was still fun to write. I learned something in the yes. process of writing it. I'm proud of it. And then maybe I can repurpose it, like, a couple months down the line. Yeah. I was listening to Rick Rubin this morning, actually, and he talked about this exact point. He was like, the greatest work that you'll make is the work you make for yourself, if you make something for other people or if you're like, hey, it's, I don't really like it, but other people might like it, usually those things don't perform well. But if you can write something or produce like some type of music or a video or a podcast and you're like, I like really feel good about this, like this is something I actually thoroughly enjoy, then that's usually when it gets the best results. It's like write to yourself. And I know people say like write to your past self too, but I think it's so, so relevant. Yeah. Like, you, yeah, you basically just build what you want, but, like, doesn't, yeah, you just write what you want to consume yourself. Like, if you're scrolling the Twitter timeline, like, what do you want to see pop up on your feed? And then write about that, like. That's a good framework. If you're a good, if you're, like, super interested in, like, soccer or something, maybe write a thread about, like, some crazy Manchester United story that happened in the 90s that not that many people know about. Yeah. I've seen threads like that pop off all the time. So. Yeah. Maybe we could pivot into a new question now. So, Tommy Christie, this dude's dope. Um, he has three topics that he wants us to hit on. Self-actualization, skin in the game, and digital nomadism. <laughs> that's, that's a good three topics. Um, start with the nomadism the nomadism yeah okay yeah so we have different experiences with this nomad life because we, okay yes we started it similar times but i never even knew this was a possibility but i know you knew about it forever so maybe you could give a quick backstory on like how long this way of life has been attractive to you yeah i mean i've known about like digital nomads for like five or so years. I remember in high school, I would like look through the, the Digital Nomads subreddit and like just saw the lifestyle that was possible. And then at that time I wanted to be like a, a travel filmmaker. 
So I would follow a bunch of people who just could live wherever. They just got paid to, like, make crazy videos in Bali or, like, all over Europe and, like, all these crazy, like, amazing places. So that, that lifestyle has, like, been what I've wanted for five years. And, like, now I've got it. But I know for you, this is all, like, extremely fresh. Yeah. It more so happened for me because it just made sense. Like, it made logical sense, and it felt like the best way I could live while making money online would be to go abroad and do it, like, someplace like this or someplace like Argentina because, okay, Argentina, the arbitrage opportunity was huge, like, in terms of how much money you could save. Here, we're seeing it's not like that at all. Yeah. Um, but I am, like, okay, yes, we're probably paying U.S.-type prices, but, like, the environment seems so conducive to my personal evolution that I think it's worth it. It's like an investment in yourself. And so that's why, like, if you can make money online, I'm of the opinion, like, go to the place, experiment with different places, but go to the place where you can be at your highest self and then everything else will take care of itself. And so for me now, I'm feeling like really good momentum in this place right now and like good energy and everything. That's why it's only been a week or so, but I'm like, I could see myself staying here because if I have life figured out and dialed in, maybe I stay. So I actually, Talon had a good point when I talked to him yesterday. He said, like, yes, you can do all the exploring you want with digital nomadism, but you don't have to like explore for the sake of exploration. Once you explore and you find something that you like, then you can exploit it. So, like, once you find a way of life that you actually really fuck with, like, you can exploit that way of life. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... And, yeah, like, to anyone who thinks Costa Rica is, like, cheap, it's not. You're not going to get a meal for under 10 bucks U.S. Rent is, like, 1200 plus. But, like, the closest thing in, in the U.S. for, like, first world prices... Like, that would be Hawaii, I guess, is the closest comparison. Yeah. And Hawaii is way more expensive. So, I guess, in that sense, for the lifestyle, it's, like, cheaper than what you would get in America. But, overall, it's, like, not that much cheaper. Hawaii seems like a possible destination at some point. (laughs) Hawaii is super expensive. But, um, yeah, like, the whole... I also think with... The freedom to work wherever you want, like inherently, if you're working remotely, you're working online. And I kind of have the philosophy that like when you're working online, it's kind of this digital tech world that you're working in. And personally, I think the best way to like balance that is to live in a place that has more nature. Um, Just because it's like, you're working online like on your laptop all day type type in on your keyboard and then like you finish off and like you just look up and you're just in a concrete jungle and there's like even more lights and like stimulation I think it's like too much and it's not it's not like natural for our brains so I think the best way to counterbalance that is to live in a place that's more peaceful and quiet or like that you can at least escape and like get out i don't know i'm i love the beach and surfing so like this the tropical tropics is like amazing for that um 
But I know some people who love the city, so I think it's just dependent on the person. Yeah, it's definitely super individual. I'm the same way, like, needing to escape it. And I think, like, having the beach for me right now is great because, like, okay, I'm not good at surfing yet. But just by doing the activity, you're forced to leave your phone and everything here. And I think that is so liberating to, like, just be able to go to a, a completely different reality for two or three hours where you forget that this stuff exists, which I think is really healthy for me. I feel that in yoga, too. Um, and th- that practice has been so beneficial for like my mental health and just my physical health too um it's obviously a physical sport or a physical activity but like dude the way you can just stay aligned and like get away from everything and just like it's it's basically an hour meditation we got to go next week for sure um but yeah so the next topic that he wanted us to talk about was either self-actualization or skin in the game so maybe because we're talking about these other activities we could go into self-actualization so when was the first time you like heard of the term or yeah when was the first time you think you heard the term self-actualization i don't really know i feel like i've gotten i heard i heard like that term popularized on my twitter but i think it's like interchangeable with like personal development which i've like always kind of known was a thing I mean, I, I kind of discovered it in high school, like, with stoicism and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think they're kind of interchangeable. Yeah, same. It's interesting because I stumbled upon, like, self-improvement type of people on YouTube. And then stoicism as well. And, like, I'm grateful I stumbled across all those people and went through those stages because, like, I felt like that laid the foundation for how I view the world now. But now I'm realizing, like, okay, self-improvement is kind of one thing. Self-actualization, I think that's maybe a completely different entity. Or maybe it's a little bit different. Um, But what I'm seeing now, and maybe it's just because we're playing the entrepreneur game now. But it seems to me the only way to actually actualize your potential is to go your own path and create something under your own name. And... I've been like riffing on this idea for a bit of like when you're in a regular job, your potential is handicapped by your position, by your boss, by how quickly you can move up the ladder. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's like it's completely on you. And that's a lot of pressure. So I don't know. How do you go about dealing with that added pressure, but also added room for growth? How do you think about that? I will now I'm putting it on you. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like, everything's on... I mean, I have, actually. I've written about it. Like, if you're in a regular job, it's it's literally your employer's responsibility as a good businessman to pay you... To pay you, like, to find that balance, like, to pay you the least amount possible while still keeping you, like, just comfortable enough to, like, stay in the job and be like, oh, okay, like, I can live somewhat comfortably off of this. But it's literally their job to pay you, like, as little as possible to maximize profits. Yeah. So, as an entrepreneur and, like, a creator or whatever, like, I think those terms are kind of interchangeable. I, yeah, like, pressure makes diamonds. Like, everything 
is on you. Like, if something's wrong, that's your fault. If something changes in the business landscape, like, that's on you to navigate that. It's just inherently, it's more stressful, but the potential is higher. And I think, I don't even want to say it's high risk, high reward, because I think the real high risk is not doing it, because then you'll you'll never reach your full potential. Um, so I think it's, like, you should always go after the high reward. And I think this, the added stress, it, like, it forces you to get better. It kind of lights a fire under your ass. And you're forced to learn new skills quicker. Like, I would have never, ever, like, learned about, like, sales skills or marketing or any of the stuff while I was in college if, yeah. if I was just doing the default path. If I was still in college, like, I was studying anthropology. Yeah. Like, I would not have learned any of this stuff. But now that I went down this path, I'm, like probably ahead of a lot of people who like are studying entrepreneurship yeah and i did that actually i was studying entrepreneurship and all the classes were about like yeah some of them were like how to start a business how to do like these things but naval says he's like there's no there's no class you could take called business like it's something you actually just have to go and do yourself like he's like avoid business school avoid business books and i think that's so valid and Bro, I was studying so economics, psychology, and entrepreneurship. And before I got into Twitter or even just like the online world, I didn't even know what marketing was. I had no idea what marketing was. And so now it's like, now just after being in this game for nine months, I've learned about psychology, ego development psychology, flow psychology, marketing, sales. Uh, I still need to navigate the finances more, like the personal finance, the accounting, all that. But the thing about entrepreneurship is like you don't have a choice not to like if entrepreneurship is like a game of survival you have to learn all the necessary skills yeah yeah survival on a conceptual level <laughs> yeah exactly like not it can like be the, on a the physical wor- level have not on a physical level because like the worst case scenario everyone's always like what if this doesn't work out yeah it's like I would rather go and work some like minimum wage not minimum wage but just some entry level job get paid like 20 to 25 an hour and spend all my free time like working on my business until it like took off again that's the worst case scenario yeah and like eventually if you do keep working on it and you stay alive it will work I'm i'm a big believer of that if you could stay in the game and so For me, like the worst case scenario right now, it's probably one or two options. It would be like, one, go back to college. Like that's probably my worst case scenario. Because like, let's say I run out of money, like, and I don't think this is going to happen, but if I run out of money, I don't sign any clients, I completely fall off. Like, okay, then I just go back to square one and I'm still in college, like on track to graduate the same time as all my friends. Um, And that's worst case scenario. But I also define like the other worst case scenario for myself is I'd rather work as like a barista or like a waiter at a, at a restaurant and then in my free time work on this stuff just to pay the bills. So everybody defines like their worst case scenario is like very scary, but if you actually break it down and you try to take the ego out of it, it's like, it's not as bad as you might think. Sure. It might be embarrassing, 
like to say, oh, I like was shitting on college and I don't have to go back. Or I'm trying to become this entrepreneur, but like I'm working as a barista to pay the bills. Sure, that might hurt a little bit for the ego, but it's really not that bad. Like people love those jobs. Yeah. But every like, and it's the same thing as like when you started creating online. If someone would have seen that, they're like, oh, this kid's writing to the void. Like, what yeah. the fuck is this kid doing? <laughs> He's just writing on Twitter? Bro, I got that so many times. It's like... So many times. Yeah, because you use your, like, actual account. But every... The point is, like, every high-status project started off as low-status. That's a banger. So, like, that's with anything. And you have to be able... You have to be able to endure that. And, like... That comes with like self belief. It also just like comes from just learning to detach and not really care what the mob thinks, um, which are both valuable skills. Culture. Extraordinarily valuable skills. Like when I was growing up, I cared so much about what people thought of me, like in football, girls, etc. But I've realized like the less you care and the more you can just completely detach. And realize like nobody's thinking about you. Like you're just thinking you have a spotlight effect. I think you said that to me yesterday. Spotlight effect. Like you think the world revolves around you. From your perception it does, but from everybody else's perception, the world revolves around them. And so people are not thinking about you as much as you might think. And like I know so many people in my life who like have an urge to start creating. Like I have friends who are like, I want to start writing on Twitter. Or I have friends that are like, I want to start streaming on Twitch, make a podcast, like a sports podcast, but they've never actually taken the, the jump to do it because of that fear of failure. So from your perspective, like how could somebody overcome that fear of failure and just like take action? Because it's easy to say, Oh, just take action. But like, how do you actually put it into practice? Well, I wouldn't even, I would say like a valuable exercise is to write out the worst case scenario. Like, say your friends didn't want to start a podcast. The worst, like, they buy, like, maybe a couple mics for equipment, which is, like, what, a couple hundred bucks? Yeah. They set it up. They start, like, having fun conversations, uploading them to YouTube. It gets, let's say, like, 50 episodes in, there's still no views. <laughs> like, nobody's fucking watching. Yeah. Like, the worst-case scenarios are down a couple hundred bucks, and they had 50, like, fun conversations. Exactly. And that's why, like, I was so I was hesitating so long for doing a podcast. I've always loved, like, Rogan especially, but, like, Chris Williamson, these other podcasters. And I was so scared to, like, take action. But then I just tried to reframe the mindset to, like, just treat it as a hobby, treat it as something that's, like, playful. And then what's the, what's the what's bad about that, right? Like... If nobody watches this, there's no harm lost. We still had a cool conversation. And I'm already, like, clarifying thoughts in my head now by just having this conversation, too. Yeah. The next thing Tommy asked about was the concept of skin in the game. Now, I've only read a couple pages of the book, but I, I understand the concept is, like, when you actually have, like, some form of investment in something, you'll take it more seriously. So... Maybe we could relate this to, like, coaching in general or, like, courses in general. Like, what is your experience with investing in yourself and how did that change your course going forward? Yeah, I mean, I tweeted about this this morning, actually. 
it's like this whole internet thing is so like it doesn't feel real our brains aren't wired to to comprehend this kind of work and so the way to overcome it is to like pay real money for me i paid real money for coaching like last october fully transparent like I was not, like, a trust fund kid. Like, I didn't have, um, like, I, put, I paid two grand for coaching, and that was, like, a significant amount of my net worth at the time. And that put real skin in the game, because now I was like, okay, I'm, I've invested a real amount of money that if I don't take this seriously and I let that go to waste, that would, like, be really bad for my bank account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's a form of skin in the game. I think investing in yourself, Hormozzi always talks about invest in the S&E, not the S&P 500. I like used to think the opposite. Now I, I totally agree with him. And then also just like making real friends online, I think, is another form of skin in the game. Because yeah. once you like, everyone's just a profile picture when you start off. Like it's not real. Some of these people like, it's just not real. So you need to like, <laughs> yeah. you need to get on calls with these people if they're in their area and meet up in real life. And then it becomes more tangible. Like, for example, now yeah. you and I are living in Costa Rica together. <laughs> yeah. I just met you in January. Right. That's insane. That's real skin in the game because now like you're a real friend. Yeah. Instead of just like this like northwestern kid yeah like, profile picture yeah or even in your case it's like this random like like glitchy ai picture yeah. and matt milos and we hopped on a call is that matt milos, matt milos at that point yeah <laughs> that's so weird to think about um dude that's wild and that's only like seven months ago too so so much can change when you have skin in the game like real skin in the game i like the friend example you used too like meeting people um but same thing goes for me. I can echo all that. Like when I invested in Dakota's coaching, that was probably 90 to 95% of my network. And so at that point I had no choice. Like to, if I was going to eat food and survive in San Francisco, I had to figure out how to make this work. And like, I understand I'm probably, I, I'm probably more comfortable with risk than most people. Um, but I think it's it's a valuable perspective of like it goes back to your your worst case scenario is not as bad as you think right and worst case scenario like I'll my mom or dad if I'm like hey I don't have enough money to eat food like they probably help me out but it didn't happen because I put skin in the game and it forced me to take relentless action with the podcast with Twitter with ghostwriting and then I signed clients and then it worked out but had I not invested in myself. I probably would not have, have been here. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have on that topic. Maybe we can check some more. Let's see. Mike Miller asked about, talk about how you guys connected in your joint journey so far as full-time creators. I mean, we kind of just hit on it a little bit. Um, so yeah, we could probably skip that. Uh, Okay, Rohit, Rohit says, uh, 
travel, talk about travel, but more specifically, how has it shaped your paradigm? So like how you view the world, I think. Yeah, I mean, travel is, man, everyone, there's kind of like that popular quote where it's like, you can't, you can't travel away from your problems. I kind of disagree with that. I think, and like, I think this, the frame that they're, they're taking there is like the standard American travel where like mm. you, you go to someplace for a week and then you come back and it's like your life is the exact same as it was before. Yes. I think long form travel is the opposite because anytime you make a dramatic change in your environment, it's the perfect opportunity to reinvent yourself and establish new habits that that weren't even a possibility perhaps before for example like i was back home in california like i live like a 45 minute drive from the beach so it's not feasible to go there every day yeah much at all to be honest here i live a four minute walk so i just right before this episode we're doing and like everyone just jumping in the ocean is like a huge habit that honestly feels better than a coffee Mm -hmm. that's an example being able to surf consistently just wearing like you know just wearing foot flops and a t-shirt everywhere sometimes no shirt it's like yeah i don't know constantly sweating just getting like toxins out of you yeah it's a completely different reality and a completely different way of life and i think the point you made about like the american version of travel they've they've commoditized travel right they've made it something you buy like they've made it a consumerist thing and i always had the perception of like travel is like okay you go to a resort in mexico for a week and just like yeah. you, it's all inclusive and paid for and you just sit there and like drink pina coladas all day and like and then you go back yeah you go back and like your life is exactly the same and then last summer i got the radical idea of like backpacking europe for two months and Rohit said how does it shift your paradigm that was the most life-changing experience I've probably had up to that point because it showed me like there is other ways to live than your way to live right now when you only have lived one way your whole life and like I lived in Illinois my whole life so like my mind was very narrow with this I felt like this is the way to live right this is my way to And then you go to this other country and it's like people are just living completely different lives. Like people are out sipping coffee with their friends at 11 a.m. and smoking cigarettes. And I've never seen something like that before. And yeah, if you're just briefly passing by and traveling, it's just something to observe. But when you live somewhere for two months and I was only in a place for five days. But when you live in a place like you actually become ingrained with that culture, but it takes a lot of time. And I think like you said, like. If you want to have an identity shift, it's going to be hard to have a complete identity shift if you're in the same environment, doing the same things around the same people. Yeah, you have to leave. You have to leave. And this is something that I've debated because, like, I have a really strong group of people where, I, where I'm from. But for me to expand and push towards some type of self-actualization, it requires me to discover new parts of myself it it requires me to reinvent myself in multiple ways which is hard to do when people already know 
they have an idea of who I am because they, they know me as like Jack, the quarterback, Jack, the high school athlete, like who grew up doing that, partying, all that stuff. And so when I'm back there, like that identity is assigned over me by these people because they expect that out of me. But when I'm here, nobody knows me. I can reinvent myself in like any moment. I think you said that to me. You're like, you have no obligation to be the person you were five minutes ago. That Alan Watts, yeah, perfect. <laughs> but it's so true. Like, if you go to a new place, there's no better opportunity to just like completely change who you are. If you're a shy person and you go to a new country, you can just trick yourself into like, I'm going to be a confident person, and you do that through action. Like, that's just one example. But yeah, travel has completely changed my life. <laughs> yeah, it's the same the same thing as with psychedelics it's like it just takes you out of your normal pattern of thinking yeah and it like shows you other ways to live pattern interrupter yeah yeah the idea of pattern interrupters are is really i think a really good idea and obviously there's these macro ones like travel is a great pattern interrupter um psychedelics are great pattern interrupters meditation meditation is like in the daily and that's what i actually wanted to ask you about how can we implement more consistent pattern interrupters on like maybe a daily basis or a weekly basis to like zoom out and gain perspective and like make sure we're staying on the path? Well, I think you just need to identify like what, yeah, I mean today it's like for almost everyone, like you need to get out of the pattern of, of being on your phone or like involved with your work too much. So, for everyone in, like, the online business sphere, like, you need to find a way to, to, like, find hobbies, whether that's meditation, surfing, yoga, whatever, anything that, and, like, even weightlifting is, like, going to the gym is, like, kind of, but preferably something where, like, you don't really have access to your phone. Because mm-hmm. at least being in the gym, like, I'm constantly changing music. Yeah, I guess you could put it on airplane mode, but it's not like as much of an escape as as it could be. Like for example, when I'm surfing, I'm like in the middle of the ocean with no phone. Yeah. And like it's just me and like I'm just floating on like these waves. <laughs> so I'm like completely detached. Like the other day I was like getting destroyed by this like overhead set. Yeah. I was not thinking about like how much engagement my tweets were getting. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I was trying to, like, not drown. Exactly. So, like, how, or, like, if you're doing yoga, like, you're trying to, like, hold a position. Yeah. Something like that where you just, you're not, you're, yeah, you're just in flow state. That's, yeah. It's just all about flow states. You're in a flow state that takes your mind off of your everyday thinking. It's all about cultivating outside hobbies that actually force the expansion of yourself that's what like Nihalai talks about in flow like the people who live the happiest lives are the ones that are consciously investing attention in hobbies and i notice in myself like this is a this is my takeaway from argentina i lacked hobbies and so my life felt sometimes empty and like meaningless because all I really was attaching any pleasure or self-worth to was the work. And I didn't have any type of outlet for more expression of myself. And so now here, 
it's like, how can I turn surfing into something that I'm really passionate about? Like maybe just as passionate about as the work, maybe yoga, I become just as passionate about as the work. And for me, I think this is what I'm orienting towards. Like this is how I create a holistic balanced life. Because when I assign too much pressure to the work, I fall out of balance. There's a quote, I don't know who, who it was, but, um, it's like too much of anything automatically means not enough of something else. And that's how you instantly you fall out of balance. And so a common theme for me in my life now, ever since I went to Europe and like took psychedelics, went to Europe has been, how do you say balance? And that's why I got the yin yang tattooed on me. It's like trying to remind myself, like I always operate on extremes. I always have had that tendency to be very extreme oriented. How do I come to this middle ground where, all these different boxes in my life are checked. James Smith talks about like your happiness or your like overall life is like a puzzle. And it's like, how can you fit that? So the puzzle is completely well-rounded or the best filled in it can be. I'm butchering that, but yeah. I mean, what do you think are some things for you to, do you think you operate more in that mindset of like, how can I create a balanced life? Or do you, are you more like, I want to sprint on one thing and then I'll rest later. I think, I think I'm more of the, the sprint mindset. Like it's more so like it's like sprint and go like all in for a few months to get to a higher level, and then afterwards just maintain. It's mm. kind of it's kind of like yeah, expansion. Like for example, Hermosi talks about how he's yeah. just like he's just passively jacked right now. Yeah. Like, and he's he, passively rich. He put yeah. in, like, the upfront, like, he went all in on fitness, like, to get to that physique that he has. And now he can just maintain it. So I think it's, like, a period of, like, sprinting and then maintaining. Sprinting, maintaining. And, like, each, like, growth isn't linear. It's, like, like, and it's honestly the same on Twitter, too. Like, you're not going to get that many followers just from tweets, or most of your threads, but that it's that occasional viral thread that just pops off. It happens in leaps. So yes. I think it's the same with anything where like you you're like flatlining and then you just sprint, go all in, and there's a jump. Maintain, jump, maintain, jump. So and I think there's like habits you can have like during those sprints. Like you can meditate every day still. I think that's just like the natural human way to operate yeah yeah i think everybody's different with that because i know people that can just like absolutely grind and then they stick with that for such a long period of time i'm just trying i'm trying to zoom out and look at my life objectively now and like in football especially college football i would go so hard for a month like i'd be the first person in the facility damn near i'd be like in the cold tub at 5 a.m and then like meditating there, like doing all this shit. And then I'd burn out and not give a fuck a month later. I'd be like, oh, I just want to go back in my room and like play Xbox and smoke weed. Like, and I oscillated between these extremes. And so now, and th this is why it's individual. Like, obviously we're not going to agree on everything. But like for me, it's like, if I can introduce that balance into the day-to-day -day life, I think in, in a long enough time horizon, things will take care of themselves. If I can put in four to six hours of deep work a day, but I also doing yoga, meditating, lifting weights, getting in the ocean, socializing. Like that for me feels like the healthiest way to live. But 
bro, like, I'm still 21. Like, we're figuring this shit out. Yeah. I just think, like, speed of execution is huge. Yeah. And so, if you know what needs to be done, and yeah, we're still young, figuring it out. I think just, like, like, for example, if I didn't go all in when I first started on Twitter, and I, like, yeah. tried to keep balance and just do, like, okay, I'm just going to do one to two threads a week, I probably would still be in college, and I would, like, still be broke. Yeah, and, that's like, I fair. I wouldn't be here. That's completely fair. And I would, I'd agree with that to an extent, too. Like, there are those times where you are going to push, and I was the same way, but I, I like, had a couple periods of January. Exactly. But I, I that's had prepped. Maintain. That's when you maintain. I had prepped already in December because I had winter break, and, like, actually, this, this might actually prove my own point to myself. Okay, yes. In January, I put out, like, a thread every day, and I went from 1,000 to 8,000 followers or whatever. But I wrote all those threads in December over winter break, and it would be go to a coffee shop for five hours in the morning, like right away, just do the work, and then I would get away from it, and I'd hang out with friends and stuff. So maybe this is just like what works best for me. Like we're we're figuring it out. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because like as we evolve and it becomes just not about like Twitter growth and more business stuff. Um. It'll be interesting to see how it evolves. Yeah. Yeah. We're still 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah. We're 22 in a couple of days. A couple of days, bro. Thursday. Oh, Thursday's shit. the day to go out, too. We might have to go out. Yeah, we'll go somewhere else. Um, okay. This guy, Kai, says, this is probably the last topic we could hit on, but we can keep going if you want to. I'm down. Um, he says, life as a solopreneur Geo-arbitrage, living abroad, and the laptop lifestyle. So we kind of hit on living abroad, arbitrage. Solopreneurship's overrated. Okay, let's let's dive into that. Solopreneurship is overrated. Solopreneurship Hot take. is a scam. Hot <laughs> take. Okay, because I think I disagree, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it depends how you define it. Like, the, the term solopreneurship, we're like... The idea that you're just going to do everything by yourself mm. and that you're going to be fulfilled is is not appealing. Like, for example, I like I, wa- I really desperately wanted to become a solopreneur. And once I dropped out of college, hit my, like, initial income target, and those first couple days of waking up where I was, quote-unquote, free... And I had my own one-person business. I was, like, living the laptop lifestyle, setting my own schedule. Like, I was in Buenos Aires, but I had the freedom to, like, go live wherever I want. That feeling was amazing for, like, two or three days. And then afterwards, it immediately just got lonely. Yeah. And it's, like, I think just Justin Welsh, like, it's fine for him because he's had this, like, long career he's married like yeah, he, has stage a, of he life. has a home like that for solopreneurship like that's great for him and he i mean he's networked with a lot of people so it's not like he did it solo too yeah so i think if you're a young kid and you're trying to become a solopreneur i think you'll probably have a rude awakening after a few days and mm-hmm. i think the future is something where you you're in business with 
a small team, like three, four, five people. And it's just more fun that way. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm glad we moved in together, because otherwise you're just working from your laptop at home all day. And then, like, it sounds great on paper, but in reality, it's just kind of, like, boring. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple ideas off that. So, for me, like, I'm okay with doing the solopreneurship angle or more like having everything operating under my own name and me exclusively under the circumstances that I have a social life outside of it. And that was a part of it in Buenos Aires that I think I was lacking on. Like, yes, I was working by myself, but outside of you and like um, a couple other people, I didn't talk to many people like at all. And so I'm okay with working by myself for like four to six hours a day if I have people around me that I can hang out with, like outside of the world. And that's, I think that comes back to my overarching philosophy of like that balanced lifestyle. But another idea for myself, at least is like, okay, yeah, the podcast for me is like under my own name, but it requires collaboration to do like, sure. I could do solo episodes, but it's most fulfilling when I'm talking with other people. So I don't know if you would consider podcasting like a form of solopreneurship, but it could be, um, but it requires collaboration. So, yeah, like, I fell in the trap, like, myself in college for months where I just, like, blocked out the world. And I was, like, just so focused on myself. But, like, I was I was definitely lonely. Even if I didn't admit it to myself, like, I definitely lacked the social group because I left football, I was like doing all this shit on my own. And like, I was so focused on my own personal development and Twitter, which looking back, it was necessary. But now I'm realizing like to create this holistic life, I need, I need these other areas for my happiness equation as Scott Galloway would say. <laughs> Scott Galloway. <laughs> Dude, there's some like legends that have come, uh, went to NYU. Rick Rubin went to I just found that out. Adam Sandler, too. Really? Martin Scorsese, too. Dude, Northwestern, NYU, they produce some people. Alan Watts taught at Northwestern. Really? Yeah, I just found that out. What? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Like, for one year, in, like, the ni- in 1960s. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I want to I wanna talk about this now. I had, like, once I left college, I, like, began to shit on it and be like, this is dumb, like, learning on your own is way better now i've like taken a little bit more of a neutral stance so i'm curious like your perceptions on college now what do you think of that model i think college is a scam too. a scam okay college is a scam, so a scam. <laughs> all right elaborate <laughs> i mean especially in america like the vast majority of students are going to go into student debt that they're going to spend the rest of their 20s clawing to get out of and, yeah, I mean, I, this is like a whole rabbit hole. This could be its own entire episode. Maybe we'll make the, that the next episode. The TLDR episode. is I think AI is going to force education to become more holistic and more practical because now ChatGPT, a bunch of AI tools, can write your papers for you undetectable. Yeah. Like OpenAI just actually deleted their AI detector because they – literally admitted that it's impossible to actually track what is AI generated. Like, someone 
freaking put the, the U.S. Constitution into one of those checkers, and it said that it was AI-generated. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Thomas so Jefferson like, was just... I used out of his time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, I think... I just think, like, self-education via YouTube or coaching or internet courses is is so much more valuable. For example, I paid 2000 bucks for coaching, and after that, I was able, he it gave me the foundations and the knowledge and the skill set to go and make, go ahead and make 10 to 15K a month. Yeah. After that, think about that. Versus Direct the, the standard US education at private schools, that's like 250 grand mm -hmm. for four years. And then maybe you'll get like a six figure job. Maybe. maybe. If you're really lucky. The average is like 70, 80K. Yeah. And you have to live in the U.S., so like yeah. you're paying U.S. prices. You're not saving that much money. Yeah. So I, I think. But then there is the whole aspect of socialization. Um, but for the vast majority of people, don't go into student debt, self-educate online, and I think that's a better path to go. Long term. I agree, and that's why we're doing it. But I will say, like, had I not gone to Northwestern and like met those type of people I wouldn't have like gone down this route because Jordan Peterson has a, a good framework that I like he's like college is a great choice if you don't have another harder option or you don't have another option that is potentially better now I feel like we, we see a route that is maybe more abundant and leads to more growth but for the time being if you don't know what you want to do I think college is a great temporary identity to buy into it's like okay i left high school i don't know what i want to do who i want to be i can buy this temporary identity as a college student to figure it out along the way um i kind of disagree though okay well, yeah why because i think you need to have that period of isolation to figure out what you really want and i think going to college like for the socialization well like you're still kind of a kid you go when you're 18 yeah. 19 you want to like be popular and conform to the tribe mm -hmm. so you're not gonna you're just gonna end up doing what you're more likely to follow the default comfortable path and so i think yeah. i think having that period of isolation where you're really like you know i can go wherever i want from here maybe i'll go work teach English in South Korea or something. Yeah. And just, like, it seems like everyone starts off with that crazy... Everyone I admire kind of starts off with that drastic leap, I guess. Yeah. Like, Tim Ferriss, Ralph Potts taught English in South Korea. Like, all these people, they just kind of... To be unique, you have to, like, have that period of isolation. Yeah. And... Yeah. Like there, for example, the reason Japan is such a unique culture is because from the 1500s, I think, from like for about 200 years, from the 1500s to the 1700s, they had this isolationist policy where no Japanese person was allowed to leave the island, and like nobody else was allowed to come in. Okay. Because the emperor of Japan, um, like in the 1500s. 
Europeans started to come and do trade, and then they started converting a bunch of Japanese people to Catholicism, and they were starting to influence the culture there. The emperor was like, fuck this, we need to retain our Japanese culture. So they kicked out all the Europeans, stopped trading with them, and then they had a policy that was like, like if you see any Japanese person practicing Catholicism, snitch on them and we'll execute them. Well, so like it eliminated Catholicism and they they were isolated on this island for 200 years without any pretty much any outside contact. I think they traded a little bit with South Korea. Um, I remember I, just, I know this because I read the Wikipedia page <laughs> a little bit ago. But because of that, they have such a unique culture. Right. And that's why mm. it's Japan. So I think if you want to like go your own path and be unique, you have to like go through that period of isolation yourself. I definitely agree. No, I definitely agree with all that. Like if you if you're gonna live a unique life, you have to do unique things and you have to know yourself through the isolation. I hundred percent agree. The only reason I'm not willing to like completely write off college as a scam is because by taking some of those classes in college that I didn't even know I would be interested in, like psych- like personality psychology, that class changed my life because I, I didn't know myself before that, but that taught me like models and frameworks to view the world through and myself that helped me realize like, oh, okay, like I, I act this way because I am this type of personality. And that helped me understand myself and got me more into the psychology rabbit hole, which led me to like personal development and philosophy and all this stuff. So I don't know. It, it's easy to write it off. But now that I look back and like I had to go through that stage myself and everybody's situation is so unique and context dependent. I feel like you coming out of high school, you were already questioning it, right? I, didn't, I, didn't, I never wanted to go to college in the first place. Yeah, I always did. But it was for football. It wasn't for, for yeah. life. So maybe now, let's see if we got any questions in the chat. Okay, two people asked questions, actually. And then we could turn it to, if anybody wants to come up and ask something, we can, uh, we can do that as well. But, so, Kamal says, what is the algorithm like right now? <sighs> Unfortunately, it's, like, heavily engagement-based. So... You can see, like, the people who are getting the most engagement are the ones that are commenting, like, 50 to 100 times a day. Um, so, yeah, they, like, want you to be on the app a lot. And I know, like, video threads are doing well where you kind of, like, include screen recordings of a couple clips of people. And, yeah, I would say those are, like, two bigger things. Yeah. Off that second point, like maybe to give more tangible advice or actionable advice, like you have to find some way to stand out. You have to find some way to be unique, whether you're doing like video threads or whether you're doing like interesting pictures or interesting graphics or you have a really unique writing style or voice. Like you have to find some way to differentiate yourself. And at the start, that's hard, but you can learn it through constant iteration and action. And like, one of my coaching clients asked me, he was like, like, how do I find my voice? I don't know what my voice is. And my answer, and I'm curious your thoughts, but I think you find your unique voice by continuously shipping the writing, 
by continuously putting it out there and showing up every day, that's how you find your voice and that's how you find your unique angle. But pure speculation, while it could be good, I, I think it's hard to actually put it into practice, purely speculating about it. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe this other question, how did you, how do you start the nomad life or backpacking? I can give my experience, but you just got to record. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to do it. Like, I mean, ideally you want to have like at least, I don't know, say six months of savings if you want to be safe about it. But I think most people just fall into the trap of like, they're, they're trying to find the perfect timing or whatever. You just have to cut the cord and give yourself no option but to make it work. And if that means you have to start doing it with no income, I mean, I don't know. I'm still kind of like developing my philosophy on it. I think it's like I did it. I only cut the cord once I had enough income to sustain myself. Yeah. But I think for people who are maybe a little bit older, where, you know, they're maybe they're like, they want to travel and like they're getting closer to like older age, then like, then I would say maybe you just cut the cord now, especially if you have a decent amount of savings. And the, your brain works, like your brain's wired for survival. So yeah. if you cut the cord and you're living abroad, you're going to figure out a way to make money online. Or else you, you're going to starve. Because <laughs> you have no other option. Exactly. And so... Yeah, I mean, and then even then, you can. There's so many places you could go to. Like, I know Marley's in Thailand. Like, you can go places like that, which I do want to hit up eventually. Yeah. Um, and you can live for months and months, places like that. Yeah, and Danny actually is in here who asked that question. So, to give you a little different perspective on like maybe the backpacking first, so. I had the idea because I didn't want to work an internship in the summer last summer. And I was like, what can I do that would be different? And um, so I called my my best friend from high school and I was like, dude, like this is a crazy idea. But do you want to like backpack Europe this summer? Because nobody else was really doing anything. All of our other high school friends were just staying home, working part time jobs, like whatever. And I was like, I've experienced this so many times. I want to try something new. And so. I had like 6,000 bucks saved up at that point and my friend had about the same and like got a little bit of money from family who was like, we're willing to like help you for your birthday with doing this. And so, bro, we literally, we literally booked a ticket to Rome in the start of June and two nights at an Airbnb. And then we booked a return ticket two months later and we had no plans in between. And so when we got there, like completely overwhelming, completely no idea what to do. But like Matt said, like you just figure it out. And that experience of ditching the internship for the backpacking at the time, like my parents were pissed, like people thought I was an idiot. And I thought I was somewhat of an idiot too at the time. But because I did that experience and like completely had this huge pattern interrupter in my life, I figured out like, oh, I actually like writing. And so I started writing a newsletter to family and friends because I was journaling so much throughout this experience that led to Twitter, that led to ghostwriting, that led to leaving college, et cetera. And so by making that radical decision to just go for it at the start, like 
it completely altered the tra- trajectory of my life, but I didn't know how in the moment. And I think it kind of goes back to the theme of like, you just have to embrace the uncertainty. You have no idea where it's going to lead you, but you have to just trust like in the universe that it will guide you towards where you are supposed to go. So that'd be my insight on it. Um, but yeah, so I think we hit like all of those questions, all the questions from yesterday. So maybe, what do you think? Should we turn it over and let people come up and ask any questions? Cool. Yeah, so if anybody wants to ask a question or like offer an insight, um, if you want to just like raise your hand or something, we can make you a, a speaker. If not, it's all good. We could probably end it here. It's been probably like an hour and a half, hour ten. Kaz is a. Kaz wants to ask a question. Let's see. Hmm. Hello, hello. Yo, Kaz, what's up, bro? I think you're muted right now. We heard you for a second, but I can't hear you now if you're trying to talk. He just left. He'll probably try to rejoin. But if anybody else had a question in the meantime, oh, there's Kaz. Okay, cool. Kaz, can we hear you? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we got you now. Got it. How's it going, guys? Good, bro. How are you? Very good, very good. Uh, I jumped in a little bit late, but been enjoying uh, listening to you guys. Um, I... I had a question um, in regards to, I'm really interested in hearing like what your thoughts are in terms of like the nomadic lifestyle and what your experiences have been so far in regards to whether individually is probably a bit different, but if it's a chapter or if you find that it's become like a line to who you guys are or how you're feeling about it, there's like a long game to this and end game. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued to hear what your thoughts are because I've been quite nomadic throughout my life, my childhood, um, and uh, it's um, and I think it can kind of like form into like a way of life um, in a lot of ways. But for a lot of people, I feel like you know the nomadic life kind of leads on to finding your place in the world. And uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to hear what you guys' thoughts and experiences so far. Yeah, I think I think when I was younger and trying to pursue this lifestyle, I had the picture of like you know, spending a couple weeks in a place before moving on to the next place. 
and now that I'm actually living it, I think I think I still want to live this lifestyle for an extended period of time. But I want it to be like three plus months in one place at a time, just so I could get into a routine and a flow. Because otherwise, like with too much travel and transportation and jet lag and new environments and new people and new restaurants, cafes and stuff, it's just too overwhelming um, to get into like a really kind of good macro flow state. And I think at the same time, like right now I don't have a home base, obviously. I'm kind of like doing this nomadic thing for two purposes like one because i want to travel the world and i just love seeing new environments but two i'm also like simultaneously kind of scouting where i would potentially want to live long term so i think within the next few years i want to set up a home base somewhere where i like live there for maybe like three to six months out of the year and like I start developing long-term relationships there and I return there every year and then spend the rest of the year um, traveling and doing the nomad thing. That's kind of my big plan, but obviously life doesn't really go according to plan all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty aligned with you on that, I think. Like, yes, the travel lifestyle is extremely appealing and I'm grateful that I get to do it now, but at the same time there is something to be said about like having a home base having a routine and i heard dan co talk about this yesterday he's like systems stack on top of systems and so i was thinking like okay let's work from first principles like what is the base fundamental system like that runs your life and it's like okay it's like how you set up your house how do you stay organized how do you get groceries where do you go for the gym like all of these little things that they might not seem like the big things, but if you don't nail the little things, like you'll never get to the big projects that you want to accomplish. You have to have like that level of, of security and that base to then grow on top of. And so for like the first 10 days here now, I feel like I'm getting dialed in with like, okay, I'm going to go do yoga on these nights. I'm going to go lift on these nights. I'm going to take calls on these days. This is where I'm going to get groceries. This is when I'm going to get groceries. And once you nail those things, then you can start focusing on the bigger things. But when you're constantly jumping around, it's like, it's hard to get into that flow, like a macro flow you talked about. I like that. So I don't know, in the long run, I probably see myself like chilling out, settling somewhere that I really love. And that would probably come with like a wife and family, but I'm not there yet. So yeah, I mean, like, I also would want a little bit more of a stable business to where like, okay, yes, I'm going to live in this place for like most of the time, but I'll travel and have the freedom to do other things. But yeah, dude, it's like a constant evolution. Yeah. I'm curious sure. your thoughts on it actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's something I asked you uh, when we had a chat recently, you know, in regards to like environments that are conducive to like the chapter that you're in currently. And, um, because I, I, I've I've heard stories, you know, and about Bali and different places like Byron Bay, and um, where sometimes the environment can be at odds with where you're at in your life. You know, if you are in that sort of like scaling business moment, that chapter, maybe 
it isn't the most conducive to be in a place where everyone's kind of like, yeah, well, let's chill on the beach and, you know, watch the sunset. But you never know. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I've kind of been sort of thinking about and reflecting on is that, well, in a lot of ways, travel is kind of a tool. as a, yet another tool that you have to sort of um, approach with awareness because a lot of people end up traveling just for the sake of it. And they, uh, they're, they're hoping that that will fulfill this void or whatever void that they have, but it doesn't, it never will. Um, so again, it's just one of those things is like, it's to use to your advantage. It's like, if you're looking for your place in the world, or if you're looking for that place, that's going to really take you to that next chapter, whatever it is. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm aligned with the, well, both of what you guys are, guys are saying, your feeling. Yeah, I think we're in a similar headspace with it. Thank you for the question too, bro. Um, I know King James wanted to ask a question. So is this LeBron? Who is this? <laughs> no, I'm not LeBron, man. I wish. Um, I just had a quick question because I saw mad stuff come up on Twitter recently. And it was a bit of a coincidence because my girlfriend and I are actually thinking about moving to Costa Rica on the West Coast near Tamarindo. And... I'm from Canada originally. We actually live in Toronto right now. And I was just wondering how you manage the whole citizenship residence visa situation. Like, what does that look like for you? Do you Are you still a resident or citizen of your place of birth? Do you benefit at all from whatever that government provides? That kind of stuff. Yeah, so I'm... For Costa Rica... For Costa Rica specifically, I'm just on the tourist visa. Um, it's pretty nice. Like, you get 90 days as a U.S. citizen. And then I'm probably going to stay longer. So to, to, like, refresh it, I just have to do a visa run to Nicaragua for, like, a day. Come back, and then I get another 90 days. And I know I've met some people here that are doing it. Like, they've been doing that for eight-plus years. <laughs> so they kind of just de facto live here. Um, but in terms of like the resident residency and tax situation, unfortunately, I, my residency is still in California, which means I pay like some of the Damn. highest taxes in the U S. So next year I'm gonna, I'm still going to keep my U S citizenship, but I'm definitely gonna try and set up a residency elsewhere just to lower, um, like how much, how many pax, taxes I pay. Cause I don't, I've, I've only been in California for about two months out of the year. And yeah, that's like just kind of fucked that I have to pay 50 plus percent. For I, that. Totally, yeah. I totally agree. Cause like, honestly, the infrastructure is a big part of what's keeping me in North America as crazy as it sounds, but, and sort of what we lack here, they have in South America you know, a more community-based culture. They live in nature a lot more. And that's kind of what I think partially we're all looking for a little bit. Um, but obviously, I don't want to pay the taxes for something I'm not even getting here. So I was just curious. But thank you. I appreciate the answer, man. Yeah. I mean, you're Canadian, so you have it. Like, once you leave, you don't have to pay taxes, which... Yeah, we don't pay international taxes, which is really nice. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> That being said, if your business is operating in Canada, 
you still have to pay Canadian taxes whether or not you're living in Canada, right? They might be lower because you can be doing business taxes. So it's like 15% instead of your personal income tax, which is like probably closer to 30. So that helps. Right. I think you can set up an LLC in the U.S. though. Um, yeah, so that's what a lot of Canadians do, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a whole game. I need to get more into that and get more optimized for the 2024 tax year. Um, I know lots of people get, like, I know, like, the Paraguay residency is super hot because you don't even have to live there and you, you pay zero taxes. Um, yeah, there, it's like, that's a whole other industry. That I yeah. About. If you're curious, I found this other guy on Twitter, the Nomad Capitalist. You might be familiar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually have a buddy of mine who did his. He like called him and was basically like, "I want to do a consultation." I think he paid twenty five grand or something for it. It was kind of outrageous, to be honest. But apparently, the info is pretty useful. But they do like full concierge service. They'll do basically everything for you, but you got to be making pretty good money for it to actually make sense. Yeah. Some people have like crazy offers where their offer is, I'll save you more in taxes than you pay me, <laughs> so, which is like a no brainer for like, if you're, I don't know, you're making millions, you pay this dude like 50 something K, I don't know. And then he saves you like a hundred K in taxes. Like it's, worth it's it. a pretty good business model. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Yeah, I don't really have anything else off of that. I That's an area that I've been lacking in. And it's like, I've only been living this nomad lifestyle now for like four months. And like, I had a break for a month at home in Illinois. So I can't really speak to it or give any valuable insight. But yeah, that's something that I'm going to have to address down the road. But for now, I'm kind of just like going with the flow, to be honest. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for asking. All right, we could probably have time for a few more questions, but if not, um, we'll probably end it off. So if anybody else has any, love to take them. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think we're going to call it now, but um, this was fun. We're going to try to get this whole podcast on YouTube. So we recorded it with video. Uh, we have like mics on too. So we'll see if it all works. Um, that's another story. But uh, for everybody that's here, thank you for tuning in and I'll post the full episode. Yeah, we're thinking about doing this every single Sunday morning. So from like 10 a.m. Mountain Time, so it'd be 9 a.m. Pacific Time to noon uh, and, and it'd be noon Eastern time, maybe an hour and a half ish every Sunday, just kind of like chopping it up, asking questions, um, just hanging out. So until then, thank you guys. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next Sunday.